Hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of Cyber Prophets. Cyber Prophets, the podcast where we are prophesizing the future of technology. I am here once again sitting with my co-host and brother from another mother, Federico. Welcome everyone. Hopefully you're going to learn new topics and interesting things this time. For the past two videos, we have talked about two different approaches. The first one was cloud native on one hand. Then we talk about cloud agnostic. And now we're going to conclude this series talking about multi-cloud. Multi-cloud, the multi-cloud approach. So first, let's review a little bit in order to introduce this topic. What is cloud native? Cloud native is a series of practices that implement applications directly in the cloud using cloud-specific um, cloud-specific devices, we can say, or cloud-specific functions. On the other hand, we have cloud agnostic, that is a way of developing applications in which we can basically support any kind of cloud and we can easily migrate from any cloud, from one cloud to the other cloud. And now we are introducing the topic of multi-cloud, multi-cloud approach. Yeah, what is that, Federico? Is when you combine different clouds, so let's say AWS, and you combine it with Azure because some functions work better in Azure and others work better in AWS. Mm -hmm. So, multi cloud approach is the approach that you're not tied to a specific cloud, but you develop your applications using all the capabilities provided by different cloud providers. Now, this might raise many questions, and we're going to try to address them in this episode. The first one is like, how? How can you actually develop applications that can be supported by multiple clouds, Federico? Mm, well, it depends on what you need to do, but let's suppose that you like to have a database running an SQL server. Mm -hmm. There is one disadvantage of using AWS that you have with Azure. There was a change in Microsoft a couple of years ago, and you cannot bring your licenses, even if you bought them, to AWS after 2019. And mm -hmm. if you would like to save money, you must use Azure. So if you use AWS, you cannot. There are some small exceptions, like for, let's say, European clouds, because of things related to the European Union, that the small providers can provide you. But if it's Google Cloud, Azure, eh, sorry, Google Cloud and AWS is not allowed. So mm -hmm. this is one way. So say cost, you can exchange them and use certain technologies in AWS and other ones in Azure. And then and, and then you can consume them from using web services or exposing certain areas or APIs or let's say, or IPs that they will be accessible through other services. Yeah, and this raises a lot of questions, especially about security. But before we dive deep into that topic, I would like to still focus on the how. So in the example that you, you mentioned about the SQL Server, our application will look something like we have on one hand our database running on Azure, mm -hmm. and let's call it a microservice 
an application running on AWS. Will it work that way? Yeah. You just need to expose the IP because by default, when you create a SQL Server database, it's open to the public. If you don't restrict it, by default, it will be open with a public IP. Mm -hmm. Of course, it can be dangerous, but yeah, by default, it's going to be accessible. Yeah, we're going to talk uh, more about the security later on. But now I would like to ask you, okay, we have one example. We, we, had, we have deployed our database in one cloud and the application in another cloud. Can it be, what other scenarios do we have? Like, for instance, if we have like several microservices, can we have them scattered around like several clouds? Yeah, another example will be medical tools running in the European Union uh -huh. because they must be located in the country where you're living. It is Germany, Spain, Sweden, Italy, and yeah, I'm very specific. If it's in Spain, Europe, it must be the data in Spain. Yes. In some cases, you can have it in a different country, but you need to follow a lot of crazy rules, especially the people that are need to be checking, they must be living in Europe and residing in Europe. They must be checking the databases, checking the data, doing everything. It cannot be checked by someone living, I don't know, in Australia. And if that person is allowed, there is a lot of crazy restrictions. The same will apply for, let's say, for, uh, some profiles related to law. In those cases, you are somehow forced to use a multi-cloud approach because even if your database, even if you would like to save a lot of money using serverless lambdas and these things running in AWS, well, your data cannot be running in AWS because you need to be certain that the data is being checked by people living in Spain or living in Germany. If you cannot be sure about all these things, you will have a lot of issues with law. Yeah, so you went ahead and already answered one of my following questions, which is like, why will you implement this kind of multi-cloud strategy? And just for our audience uh, to get to know a bit about the European context, there's a big law, which is called the GDPR. And this is like the General Data Protection Regulation. GDPR entering force uh, on 2018 and introduce a lot of regulations about how data should be handled in the context of the European Union. And what Federico just mentioned is one of those regulations that the data, medical data specifically, uh, has to be treated within the same country to which the data belongs. Yeah, and, there, and this is not an exception. There are other cases like the CCPA, the, custom, the California Customers Privacy Act, which is even more extreme than the GDPR. There are some even specific restrictions that enforces you to have a, a link that says, you must delete my data, and that must be clearly visible in your website. If you access Facebook from uh, someone located in San Francisco, you will have a, something like that that is visible in your website, something that you will not see, for example, in Europe. So there are a lot of privacy rules. There is another one in India, another one in Brazil. And yeah, these things can play, <laughs> significantly against you and you are forced to use multi-cloud approach and if you have for example sensitive data like finance or some information like that most likely you will need to have it somewhere else mm -hmm. so yes this is one of the reasons why we why we would like to deploy the multi-cloud approach 
And continue with the possible scenarios that we were mentioning, like deploying our database or deploying like several microservices across uh, multiple clouds. Can the multi-cloud approach also be combined with something on-premises? Yeah, because you can consider that an on-premise can be a kind of cloud in the end. Every cloud is a, an on-premise device that someone is lending you. Okay, yeah, we can, we can have that analogy as well. So basically it's as, as having like your own cloud. Let's yeah. Say, and added it you to know, the game. Technically, for example, you can hire AWS to, let's say, create your on-premises AWS in your own environment. Technically, you can do that. Of course, it's extremely expensive, but they will take care of the servers, they will support everything, and they will go to your location to check and do all the validations. Of course, it's really expensive, but it's possible. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if it's possible in other clouds. In AWS, it is possible. It is possible. So that's one of the possibilities. And now, I have a question, since we, like, can have multiple permutations of how to deploy our services uh, across the multiple different providers. On what basis will you choose which microservice should we deploy on which cloud or like on which database? What will you use as a criteria to determine what is best to deploy where? I will say that sometimes plays about the licenses or the agreements you have, mm -hmm. because in some cases it will be easier to use SQL Server, or in some cases it will be easier to use MySQL, it, or it can be Postgres, that is a very popular database when you want to reduce cost. So it you need to know like a very huge cost analysis, because mm -hmm. using Postgres can save you a lot of money, but not necessarily will support what you need. And if you need to do certain, for example, one thing that is very easy about SQL Server is that you can create your own variables, your own types, and you can create in C sharp, deploy it to your SQL Server instance, and then you can have imaginary numbers. Mm -hmm. And I'm not so sure how easy it is to do that, for example, in Oracle, or how easy it is to do that in MySQL. In SQL Server, it's extremely simple. So you need to analyze what you really need. That will be, in my opinion, a session from your architect that they need to know, for example, what are the requirements? And if, for example, you're doing a migration, probably you will need to, okay, which one is cheaper for me or which one gives me certain benefits? But yeah. in my opinion, you need to know a lot of the requirements before going to the multi-cloud approach, because it can create a lot of confusions and a lot of issues, especially if you're, because you will need to manage different development teams, different support teams, different ticketing teams, and too many things on, on your plate. Also different like kinds of knowledge, you know, like something uh, cloud specific. Some some of your developers have so should also have some cloud specific kind of knowledge. Yeah. yeah. And since we're like communicating several clouds now, my question will be like how does this affect your performance? The performance of your application? It will it will impact impact it because if the there will be a latency, you need to analyze where your databases are located. That's something that you can track on the locations. For example, if you create a cloud in Ireland, let's let's say that you have a database in AWS there. Ideally, you should create also your microservices in Azure in Ireland. But you shouldn't try. Okay, I'm gonna create it in there, but my data my 
other area will be located in Spain. Or I, and then you have, for example, yeah, AWS allows me to have the microservices in Spain. I create a region here, but I keep my database in Ireland. It's not relatively, it's like relatively close, but there will be some latency and that will impact. Mm -hmm. So, and, and why you deploy it here, I will, I wouldn't know, but you need to be careful about that. You need to check the locations where there, there are regions or something that is shared. Okay. That is great. It's something to consider when you are deploying this kind of strategy. And now I will, uh, instead of focusing on the how, I would like to focus on the why. Why will you, uh, why will you deploy your application across multiple clouds? Okay. First, you mentioned about the regulations. Are there any other reasons? Cost, license, Cost. Mm -hmm. because. Let's suppose that you, when you were doing the migrations, you were a Microsoft guy and you were using SQL Server, you cannot bring your licenses to other cloud that is, if it's not a, a small cloud, you cannot, you can, you can, it's prohibited to move them to Google Cloud and AWS. This is completely banned by Microsoft. That will be a reason that if you have a new license bought after October 2019, if I'm not wrong, you cannot bring it. Mm -hmm. um, okay. When you create, for example, an RDS for SQL Server, it will, doesn't allow you to bring your own license. In Oracle, for example, allows you, but if not, you need to pay for prices on demand and they are more expensive. Just for clarification, what is an RDS? Is the cloud database for AWS where they support and maintain all, everything for you. You don't take care of the server. They just give you access to an Connection string that is where you will connect with your database, and then you they, you'd let the developers use it. Just to summarize what you just mentioned, you mentioned that why one of the reasons will be because of regulations uh, such as the GDPR enforcing you to uh, have something in a specific country or have some specific measures in place. Another second topic can be costs. Uh, how much cost? one item versus how much does this same item cost in another cloud, in another provider, and licenses as well, if you can easily uh, utilize your, uh, your available licenses on the cloud. And also you mentioned the kind of agreements that your company has with a specific cloud provider that another, can also be covered. Another thing that I will add is the how sensitive is the data that you that you have. I have the experience that in some cases, some clients will never allow you to move the data from their own premises or from specific clouds or from specific locations. Again, mm -hmm. it's related to agreements, but this is because the data is oversensitive. I could <laughs> extremely sensitive, in my opinion, is oversensitive because it's something that let's suppose that you are a company that's gonna go public to the to a stock exchange. And this data is extremely sensitive that it cannot be published before it's, it's open. Then if you have it in a different location, someone can access it. That's why they want to keep it in a specific location that is not accessible. Makes all sense. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Now, um, we have talked about like, why will you implement? And now it comes to the big topic, Federico, security. We just mentioned that for 
deploying your database on one cloud provider and your microservice, your application in another cloud provider, you need some sort of public API uh, in order to make it accessible. But that opens a lot of questions about security, right? It's like a security risk. And in the same sense, if you have like two microservices connecting, uh, connected, then you need to expose some API. And in some cases, it can be like even a public API. So what are the security or the, the possible security risks related to uh, deploying this multi-cloud strategy? I will say that we need to know what kind of application you have. If it's an internal application, you can use a virtual private cloud. And what is that is like you define a set of IPs that will be only accessible inside your organization. Mm -hmm. And how do you connect? You use most likely a VPN or you need to be inside the building where you're working. And because you're using a VPC, then no one else will be able to access your information. But many people will think, but is this a new thing? Well, I'm sure that Facebook has a public IP for the database, the things that you wouldn't access it. And most likely, if you have access to that, let's suppose that you get access even to the user or something like that. What you would like most likely is to have access to a specific view and to a specific section, and it will not allow you to go deeper. Mm -hmm. You can restrict it. You can create a specific user that is only accessible to one specific view, and it doesn't matter what else you do. And that's probably what would be one approach, that you need to restrict the usage to the specific things. Mm -hmm. Also, you can configure the security groups or other locations inside the network that only the IPs coming from this place will be able to access to this specific service. If the IP is different from this one, there is no way to access it. You can configure all those things in the cloud. So if there is a range of IPs that can come from this specific cloud can be accessible only in this specific section in the other cloud. And in this way, anything else that is coming, it will, it will be blocked. So uh, yeah, that, that's some very strict uh, security measures yeah. and restricting by IP. I think that that's a great solution actually. And now in comparison to, for instance, like a cloud native uh, approach or like, or, or yeah, in, let's just compare the cloud native approach. In terms of security and having all of these measures that you mentioned in place, would you say that cloud native is more secure than multi-cloud approach or it is, is it about the same? No, it is more secure because in multi-cloud you can, let's say, you can configure your database or your site where you store your data as private and it will be only accessible inside the, the your account. It will not be accessible by anyone else. Mm -hmm. So maybe if I go inside the data center and install the hard drive or something like that, or of course, then I can get access to the data. But that can happen even in your own house. There's not a big difference. But yeah, it is more secure because I can define that all in my account, the database will be accessible. And there is no way to access it if I don't expose it. And often when you configure your database as a private, as a, let's say, as a private one, you cannot make it public. Mm -hmm. You need to create a new database. Well, that's a restriction, but that's why it becomes, you have like a layer that is protecting your database from any external sources. Then you access your app 
but your app or let's say function or anything is deployed in your account so your app can access it but not in a different way it is more secure okay that sounds great uh, at the end of the day it's like a lot about considering what the risks are and whether it makes sense for you for your own specific scenario in order to deploy this multi-cloud approach yeah. Now, Federico, uh, can you like, even though we have like talk a lot about it, but can you quickly summarize what are the advantages and the disadvantages of this approach? I will say that the advantages is when you have regulations, because mm -hmm. you will be able to fulfill the regulations. For example, the GDPR, the CCPA, or when you have sensitive data that you want to protect. Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, for me, this is the, the or the other one is to say cost when you have like specific licenses that you need from one service or another service or you or one service has something that you need. Mm -hmm. That, for example, you have like a service for supporting Oracle as an on demand in in SQL in AWS, but that doesn't exist in Azure. There is not an equivalent. So RDS for, SQL, for Oracle exists there, but doesn't exist in Azure. So if you would like to have this on-demand Oracle database, your only option is AWS, as simple as that. Yeah. Then the disadvantages, I will say, is cost, because someone has to support all these things. You need to check your balance sheets. You need to check everything. It can it is like a it's a mix it's a mixed bag because from one side you could technically save money but you can also make mistakes because someone needs to check both databases and there is a, the extra cost of who is supporting the these things is hard to be a cloud architect in too many clouds because you are like you're trying to play it with too many bags mm -hmm. and it's easy it's, you can easily make a mistake it's like so, a trade-off right yeah it is a trade-off. Another disadvantage is like from the security perspective, it it makes it, it becomes really hard to support it. Because you need to check the IPs. What if there is a new IP? What if there is any changes? I have experienced that in the past. That there were some new IPs that were authorized. I didn't get the notification about that. And then the requests were failing to mm -hmm. the database because I didn't know the database. I didn't know the new IPs and the, the database didn't know them. And then everything was clashing. So you must do those updates manually in many cases. I okay. So definitely there are some advantages as well as some disadvantages uh, in the multi-cloud approach. And now Federico, like a, as a closing question, I would like to know, from all of the perspectives that we have seen during the past weeks, cloud native, uh, cloud agnostic, and now the multi-cloud approach, which one will you recommend and why? If you can, I will recommend you to use cloud native because you will save a lot of headaches in your life and you can optimize a lot of, a lot of your performance and money. But if you have too many regulations, it's better to go to the multi-cloud approach mm -hmm. because you need to understand what data you have, what is the purpose of the data, 
And if you have a medical application, for example, in Spain, we only have one cloud provider, only one that supports that information. So mm -hmm. your option is that one or that one. There's no plan B. Or you need to support it on your own and to keep the server on your house or wherever you want to have it. So, yeah, you need to understand very well what kind of data you are managing. And what about uh, cloud agnostic? I'm not, I'm not such a huge fan of cloud agnostic because you often need to support the servers. And that involves that you will have a support team. What if there are issues with the patches? What if there is any issue with Microsoft? What I don't know if the Linux patch was installed incorrectly. Um, I don't really like it because someone has to take care of all these things and that involves cost that can impact your performance. And none of these things, at least in my experience, is something that people want. Yes, I agree that if one day your company gets angry with AWS and you want to move everything to Google Cloud, it's great. But keep in mind that you need to support all these things all your life and to be with this concerning your health which I'm not so sure if it's as expensive as the other movement. Something to consider. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Uh, thank you very much, Federico. This was, once again, a very fruitful discussion. And this concludes the series of the cloud strategies, the cloud approaches to deploying your applications. If you haven't checked the videos yet, check them out. The links are posted on the description and we talk about, as we mentioned, cloud native, cloud agnostic and now multi-cloud approach. And don't forget to subscribe and keep tuned in for more information about the world of technology and about the disruptive and innovative innovations that we are having nowadays. Until then, see you next week.